Welcome to A Learner's Journey. My name is Molly Sanders, and the goal of this podcast is to inspire and motivate you by connecting you with a variety of passionate horsewomen and men who have dedicated their lives to helping horses and their people. I'm grateful you're here. This week's episode is a milestone. It marks one year since the podcast began. This podcast started because throughout my horsemanship journey, I've taken the opportunity to talk to some amazing horsewomen and men, and I've been really curious about their journeys and how they got through challenges and then just asking horsemanship questions when I ran into trouble. And then as an instructor, I got to know quite a few people and I got to know about their journey and I found myself feeling like, I wish that they could have sat in on these conversations. And the idea for this podcast was born from that. This past year, I've had the privilege of talking to so many wonderful horsewomen and men. And this next year promises many more. One of my goals for the year ahead is for these conversations to reach the people that need to hear them. One way that you can help me with this is to subscribe or follow or leave a review or a comment. It helps a ton in spreading the word. The episode today is also a special one because one of my favorite people is joining me for a second time. Linda Pirelli is an inspiration in horsemanship and life. I know you're going to find a bunch of nuggets in this conversation to help you become an even better version of yourself. We talk about so many different things in this conversation, but a few of them are getting more confidence in the canner for you and your horse, setting goals and boundaries, and how her divorce has challenged her and set her free. Thank you for being a part of this adventure. And now on to the conversation with Linda. A whole year has gone past since I last interviewed you, and uh, I was thinking about what to do for the year anniversary of the podcast. It's I, I really am blown away that it's been that long, and I was thinking about, you know, you were my very first interview, and I thought how cool it would be if I could have you be my first interview of the second year. And so I reached out and you said yes. And here we are. So thank you. Well, thank you. I feel very honored to be the first twice. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> and congratulations. Happy birthday. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's it's hard. It's really hard to believe, but um, I'm excited that it's been a year and I'm continuing to to do this. So what was, um, your, what was your start date? It was August 19th. So this okay. this will air on the 18th. All right. Yeah. So um, and so thinking back over the year, um, what's something that stands out for you? What's a highlight for you from this year? Gosh, I mean, I mean, I have a lot of highlights, so it's really hard to just pick, you know, one or two, but I will pick one or two. One is my place. I think I had just moved in when we first did uh, your yes. interview and uh, it's Happy Horse Haven. And, and I just love the place. And, you know, I mean, obviously I'm using it every day and I have my long term students and interns there and it's just bliss. You know, I walk out the door and I just feel so lucky. The place is lovely and it's it's cozy and it's got a really peaceful vibe. So um, that's definitely a highlight every day for me. And I'm in New Hampshire right now. 
and I miss my plane, but um, every day for me is a highlight, just, you know, being there. How wonderful. Um, I know. It's just, I feel very, very lucky. And then the other highlight is my curriculum. Um, I'm not sure if I had launched it. You Uh, had, you just, it was the first module, I think you just launched. Yeah, probably the first three modules. It was relaxation and responsiveness. Well, now number seven is just about to um, be released. Wow. So that's a labor of love. You know, I'm kind of writing my manifesto because I'm bringing all the things that um, I've learned about horses and horsemanship and dressage and riding and um, riders, you know, Pilates, because there's so many amazing people that I've had the privilege to study with that are the best in their field and the best in the world. And I'm able to you know, bring those things together and help people be really successful with their horses and have happy horses, you know, happy horse, happy life, of course, because right. uh, if horse ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Right. So, you know, how do you have a happy horse and what is a happy horse? Because a lot of people don't know. Right. He's either he is forward and that means he's happy or they're back and that means he's not. Well, no, that could mean a thousand different things. Right. So it's really been um, a great privilege to be able to think deeply about those and explain you know what connection is and what relaxation is and what light responsiveness is and confidence I think a lot of people have a better understanding of that than the other things that that you know I talk about and then I really dive uh dive into impulsion and bending because I want people to get their horses off the forehand and have them uh be more flexible and less stiff and then, of course, the goal is harmony, and that's number seven that's just about to come out. So oh, all wow. of those pieces, you know, help you to achieve harmony with your horse. It's so, so cool. Um, you know, I think that there's a couple things that stand out for me. One, like you said, this is your manifesto. This really is your life's work that you're putting together. And um, that's huge. That's a huge undertaking. And then the other thing that I think is so amazing about what you're doing is that, you know, you already were involved in writing a a huge program. You know, you spent many years working with Pat um, and, you know, a team, but, but a lot of that was your work putting, you know, interpreting what he was talking about, um, making it um, accessible to people. Yeah. And, and then so you've already written this program, but then you're now taking it and, and saying, what are the things that, what do I really want people to know? What, you know, and you're, you're re like, you're kind of putting all the pieces out there. Well, you already have. Right. And I remember seeing a picture of a window with all these sticky notes and, you know, yeah. you have all these ideas and then putting them together into this new framework that is really making sense to people, but that process, it's a huge process. Yes. So I just, I, you know, I'm always, when I hear people doing something like that, I always feel grateful that, that you're, that you're doing that. Like we need, people need that. And it, you know, it's not everyone is, has what it takes to put that together. So um, thank you for doing that. Oh, well, thank you. I, I just wish I, I really thought I'd be finished by December, <laughs> right? <laughs> but it's such a huge work because I have to think of it from so many angles. And, you know, I'm not wanting to replicate the Pirelli program. That's a fantastic program in and of itself. Right. That's Pat's program. Right. I'm doing my program. You know, now that I 
have learned about horses, you know, so much from Pat. And I've learned so much from Walter Zettel, you know, my dressage master for so many years, mm -hmm. and from Christoph Hess and from Louis Lucio, who I'm working with now, who knows so much about psychology because he's, you know, he's been a friend since 22 years. Mm -hmm. And he's studied all of the, you know, the personality and things like that. He's amazing. And and then I've, you know, worked with people like Janice Dulac for Pilates and and um, studied writing like crazy, you know, especially as you get more advanced, you learn how much more important good writing is. Right. You know, when we're kind of bombing around and trail riding, you don't think about it. You just, well, keep the horse between me and the ground. Right. You know, then if you want a happy horse, you can't just sit there. You have to lead the dance. Mm -hmm. And what does that take? How do I explain in an easy way what it takes to do in your body? And right. then have the horse go, thank you, finally, you know. Right. Anyway, so I'm thrilled. You know, my talent is teaching and uh, and that's what I'm doing. I'm finding, you know, all these pieces that make a happy horse and then being able to share that. Yeah. Learn yeah. everything else, you know, the hard way. So. Right. Right. And I, um, you know, you talk about your talent being teaching um, and I've, you know, I've witnessed that. And I think we talked about this a little bit in the first in the first interview, but you know, it, it really stands out to me being around you. It's, it's all you think about, like you're constantly thinking about, you know, not only teaching horses, but you're watching people and how they interact and how can I get this through to them? And, you know, it's, it's really, um, it's just really amazing. And again, that you're sharing that piece of you put so many hours into this and it's what it's what you do. It's it's who you are, and you're sharing that. I just it's really it's really great. I love it, and and yeah. I love you know. I'm not going. Oh, when's this going to be over? I want a vacation. It just never even occurs to me. You know, it fuels me. I'm yeah. so passionate about it, and it's my mission. It's my big hairy goal. I wake up with every day like onward with the mission. You know, <laughs> right? That's that's yeah. that's great. So um, that kind of leads me to my next question, and you may have just answered it, but um, so this past year, like you said, you know, one of your highlights is the curriculum, um, but you've had some major shifts. You know, you've started a new business, which is a wonderful thing, but it, there's some challenges that can come with that. And um, and then, you know, the the splitting with Pat and, and leaving that part of your life. Um, you know, big, big challenges. So what, what did you find it to be key to help you through those changes? Focusing on the future, like being in the present, but knowing where I'm going, I think, you know, the hardest thing, and, and it almost doesn't matter how difficult or big the problem is or the situation. If you can't see your way out of it, then that's, demoralizing and defeating and demotivating but if you know where you're going then you can keep your eyes firmly on the road and then there's just bumps in the road you know as you're heading towards your destination right. and so you know it was a very very difficult time uh, I had in incredible support you know from my friends and partners and students and members you know that were just incredible for me and my little dogs <laughs> and, and of course my horses, but um, I, you know, I very quickly, you know, accepted the fact that this was over. Now I'm in phase three of my life. Phase one was Australia. Phase two was with Pat. 
what's phase three. Mm. And at my age, I'm 63, almost 64 now. Right. Uh, you know, it's like, what do I do? Do I quit? You know, do I keep going? Do I, like, what do I do? And I was like, why am I even pondering this? It's like, keep going. I'm mm -hmm. on a mission here. You know, this is not just me eking out, you know, my daily living. There's, I, I want to affect change and I want to help people make a difference in their lives with horses and even in their lives as, as people, because the better you get with horses, the better you are as a leader in every part of your life. Right. So that was it. You know, I, I spent two days kind of in a daze and feeling angry and upset. And then I just went, well, things change. And now what is I want to do? Right. And the first thing I did was call Andrew and Sue, who are my partners in Happy Horse. And I'd worked with Andrew before um, in putting together Pegasus. Mm -hmm. And also in 2009, uh, when we put together a, a big membership drive together and created bronze, silver and gold membership. So he did that. Okay. Me. In the, in the savvy club, the savvy club. Okay. And then it, it wasn't sustained, but it was amazing. And, and we worked very well together. So I went, I want to go into business with Andrew and Sue. So I called him and he went, wow, yes. <laughs> so then uh, we literally created this in two weeks. We created happy horse, happy life in two weeks and put it all together. And then I thought, oh, good, my work here is done. You know, now we'll just keep this going. And then he said, well, what's your program going to be? You know, you need a curriculum. I'm like, what? I didn't even think of that. <laughs> so then I had to start thinking about that. And then also instructors, you know, because I didn't think I was going to have an instructor program. It never occurred to me, which is crazy. Right. And, um, and he said, you know, there's people wanting to join you and support you in this mission and be teachers alongside. Why are you saying no? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> right. Then he said, I'll help you do this. So my partners are just incredible. And, you know, business has its challenges, but compared to the challenges I went through the last 30 years in business, this has been easy. Do you, do you think that it's because you, your mission is so clear and you guys agree on the mission? Is that the difference? I think so. Okay. I think because I don't have to convince somebody else that this is a good idea. Right. Uh, I'm, you know, <laughs> I remember uh, the first time I wanted, I wanted to pose an idea to Andrew and I was like getting all geared up to sell it because I used to have to do that, you know, to right. really sell the idea that I think this is a good thing that our members need or whatever. And I used to go through all this turmoil to get people to agree. And quite often, they did not, you know, right. my partners in the other business. And um, so I had this kind of knot in my stomach and I sent a note to Andrew and I said, you know, I really want to do this. And uh, if you like, you know, we can meet and, and discuss it. And he just went, sure. Why are you even asking me? If you think <laughs> it's a good idea, you do. I'm like, oh my God, I'm home. You know, it right. was incredible. And so um, we both really trust each other in our in our lanes, you know, he's the business guy, he's the marketing guy. Every now and then I'll have a marketing critique and he goes, uh, why don't you come over and give me a lesson on marketing? Like, <laughs> you know, like I ask you to give me lessons in writing. I'm like, okay, I got it. <laughs> 
and, and so we worked very well together. And Sue, of course, is amazing as support to us and, you know, the pieces that she takes care of in the business. So, you know, it's kind of like happy horse, happy life, happy business. That's great. That's wonderful. Yeah, that's really, that's really, really cool. Um, and I really liked what you said about, you know, that you did allow yourself a couple days to kind of feel everything. And I mean, because the changes like that are full of emotion and, you know, you kind of have to grieve a little bit, but then you were like, no, here, I'm, I'm going to set my sights on the future. This is what I want to be doing. And, you know, having a mission like you have, um, I think is, um, is so helpful. And, you know, maybe other people listening to this might feel like, well, I don't, I don't have a mission. I don't have something that cut and dry, that clear. But I think that, um, I think the mission can be smaller, you know, yours is, is kind of this global thing, but, you know, just, you know, I, I, I can't really think of an example off the top of my head, but I, I can, think that you can, I can, because I talk Good. to my members every month and whenever they're feeling uh, a lack of motivation, it's because they don't have clear goals. Okay. If your goal is to have a happy horse, that's a, that's your own personal mission. And right. now, you know, what makes a happy horse? You have to be a better leader, a better rider, a better communicator. And that's so great. how are you going to do that? Where are you going to learn? And that's what keeps you, you know, motivated. Right. But when people just go, well, I don't really have any goals. I just, you know, I just want to have fun with my horse. And then things are not fun, you know, because horses give you problems to deal with. Right. Well, now you're going to give up more easily than if you are on your own personal mission with a big enough, clear enough goal. Right. And, you know, I, I was saying it to the group here, I'm up in New Hampshire teaching, and I was saying to the group, you know, I want you to wake up every morning excited about, oh, I'm going to go practice this with my horse. And, you know, I want to aim for sevens or better and, you know, and keep making this progress and, and getting results. So, um, Goals are really important. And I talked about this a lot in my Pegasus program, you know, the personal growth program that I developed mm -hmm. some years ago. Um, is that I used to be really afraid to set goals. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are afraid to set goals. So they don't. Right. Because if you set one, it it allows what if I don't make failure. It? Right. Exactly. Yeah. What if I don't reach that goal? Right. That was my fear. And I never set them. And I was sent to a, a goal setting seminar um, when I worked for Elabashe many years ago. And I sat there going, I don't want to set these goals. They were like, imagine the kind of house you want and the car you want. And, and it just didn't resonate with me. So I still didn't um, have any concrete goals. Mm -hmm. But I left that seminar and I went, I felt like a bit of a failure that I didn't even want to set goals. Uh -huh. And so I thought, I got to think of some goal that I can reach in some way every day. And so I came up with two. I want to be excellent and I want to be happy. And every day I achieve those goals and it drives me. You know, I mean, That's I have so my great. goals, like, you know, with my mission and what I'm working on. But even, you know, if there's tough days, there's something that's going to make you happy your horse, a friend, your dogs, you know, right. a check in the mail. I don't know. There's something, you know, that, that helps you be happy. And then if I strive to be excellent, I just 
do everything to the best of my ability. Even washing the dishes, I often use that as a, because it's like housework and washing the dishes is not my passion. Uh (laughs) But I make sure that when I do it, I do it well. And I'm happy about doing it. I'm happy removing that dust or vacuuming that carpet, which sounds really funny. But then I don't have these dips in my day where I've got to wash the dishes or I've got to, you know, clean the house. Right. I can reach the goal of being happy and excellent, even doing that. Right. That's really, that's really great. And those little opportunities to, um, to practice those things, like, even like you said, with housework, you're, you're, you're practicing looking for happiness and you're practicing excellence. And that's what I think is so important is, is practicing those little things as opposed to practicing um, being uh, like disappointed that you got to do housework or oh, I hate this. You know, we have a choice of practicing one or the other. So um, that's a great, I love that. That's really good. And it affects your energy. Absolutely. Oh, you know, when you're like, oh, I got to whatever your energy is down and now it's hard to get out of that. Yeah. So it's really a discipline um, to control your thoughts and, you know, how you, how you think about things is so important. Yeah. And if I find myself having a negative thought, which is very rare, but if I do, I change it immediately Mm -hmm. because I know the effect that it has on you, you know, not just psychologically, physiologically. Right. Um, my one of my teachers who was my inspiration for creating personality because I learned that with people first of all Mm -hmm. uh, in the elements of man and um, he used to say that emotions are expensive to nutrients and what he meant is that you cannot have a negative thought without it draining energy and when it drains energy it costs you nutrients like magnesium and certain B vitamins. And so now when you use those to fuel your negative emotions, you actually deplete your body and then you start to get symptoms that are connected to those emotions. Interesting. Mm, So that's like, oh, do I want to spend my health on that? That's really good. Mm. That's really, that's really powerful. I'm going to be thinking about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was interesting because I was, I went to dinner with Sandy Hodgkins, my host. Uh, she's one of my instructors as well. So uh-huh. she's my host up here in New Hampshire. And we were at dinner last night and I've just been teaching a clinic for three days. And she asked me, she said, uh, do you want to go to dinner? And I said, yeah. And so we're at dinner and we're talking. She goes, this is amazing. She said, you must be an extrovert. I said, why do you say that? She said, any other clinician I have here, they're dead. After <laughs> two days, maybe three days. And I said, but see, my teaching fuels me because right. I love it. I'm passionate about it. So I feel like it creates nutrients for me. It doesn't drain me, you know? Right. right. Oh, that's so good. It's so good. I Yeah, you've just given me a lot to uh, think about. Oh, good. Yeah. So, oh, I have I, to tell you one more thing. Oh, good. Because um, uh, my friend, Louis Lucio, who I study dressage with now, and he's... Um, He's a two-time Olympian and uh, was the director of the Spanish team uh, at the Olympics for many years. And uh, um, he, he's been coming out like, cause I booked him for five clinics and then I made people sign up for five clinics. It's like, you don't just do one. If you want to be good, you better, you know, have a series of things to help you get to your goal. Uh-huh. So 
they sold out immediately. It was really and cool. And is this, is this at your place? Uh, it's at my place. And then it was hot in June. So I went to a friend's place with a covered arena. Oh, that's so yeah. cool. Otherwise it's, it's at my place. Okay. So we, um, it sold out so quickly, the first series, and it was um, 10 riders, I think. Um, that I And then I had a waiting list that almost filled a second one. So I made a second series. So I sold both of those out, which was wow. Awesome. Wow. So anyway, um, why am I, why am I, oh, so Lewis has been coming and staying with us for, you know, um, basically five, six days uh, every two months. And the third time he came, he said to me, you really are happy, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. Why would I not be? He goes, you know, a lot of people, they go, yeah, you know, you got to be happy, have a happy life. He said, you and all your people, they're always so positive. They're happy. He said, what happens if something goes wrong? I said, we fix it and then we get happy again. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> That's so great. That's so funny. Um, yeah. But it's true. I, you know, I think that a lot of times you'll hear from people, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll be sharing certain things and then you get to see how they live their life. And it's like, are you listening to the things that you're telling people? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you really, I, I've said to so many people that you're the same in front of the curtain as behind the curtain. I mean, you just are who you are. So that's, that's great. That's really cool. Now it's time for a short commercial break. Coming up on October 5th, 2022, a month-long learning adventure with Lalon Romy and Katie Salaya begins. It's called Overcoming Obstacles, Learn, Grow, Compete, and we'll take you through four different obstacle challenges inspired by equine trail sports. You'll learn a variety of strategies to help your horse build confidence navigating obstacles and more trust in your leadership while having a bunch of fun from the comfort of home. This clinic will be perfect for you if at least one of the following is true. You love learning new things with your horse. Coming up with new ideas of things to do with your horse can sometimes be hard. Your horse is sometimes spooky or unconfident with certain obstacles, and you're looking for ways to help them. You're interested in trying out an obstacle challenge in your area, but want more information before you dip your toe in. Or you've already competed in an equine trail sports event and want to learn how you can get even better. We'd love to have you join us for this learning adventure. Learn more at shinealightproductions.net. And now back to the conversation with Linda. So one of the things that I, when I first uh, asked you to do this interview and you said, yes, I was like, oh, one of the things that I personally struggle with, I've improved a lot, but it's still something that I, I know I can grow in is setting boundaries, both, <laughs> both in my horsemanship with horses but also in my personal life. Um, and, you know, cause I often feel like if I say no to somebody or I say, these are the things I, I need that I'll feel like, Oh, I'm, I'm being selfish or, you know, I, I I'll feel like I need to apologize after I do it. And I think about you and, you know, the little bit that you and I've worked together, you set clear boundaries, but in such a, it's such a, you don't even know that they're, that you're setting boundaries. 
like it always feels like, um, yeah, I want to support you in, in doing that. And you 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 don't ever apologize for it. So I would love to hear from you um, if, if there's something that you consciously think about or has that always come easily for you? Can you talk a little bit about boundaries? Uh, let me get a little clarity. First of all, um, can you give me an example or two of the boundaries you see me set? Oh boy, that I, that you, that you set, um, like saying things like, you know, and this is going to sound super simple and silly, but saying things like, you know, I can't do it during that time of the day. Like I ha- it has to be after three or, okay. you know, there was a period of time where you, you were, um, your horse time because you were in Colorado was in the morning, you know, it has to be after this time. Yeah. And I mean, it's a very simple example, but those kinds of things I, I ended up feeling like, oh, I should be more flexible and, you know, I should be, so does that help? Yeah, totally. Now I'm okay. saying, um, yeah, that was a big move for me to do that because I would always like you put myself last and I would put my needs and my interests and my passions last. Yes. And so, um, at the time that I made the switch, I would be working all day, you know, on Pirelli stuff. And um, at the end of the day is when I would ride. So I only had Remmer and Allure at that time. And you should be able to ride two horses, right? And there was plenty of daylight at the end of the day Mm -hmm. in the summer. And I would go out and I would just play with Remmer. And then I would look at Allure and I just go, I don't have the energy for you. (laughs) I mean, he was challenging anyway. But didn't have the energy to ride two horses because I'd already spent all that energy working, you know, and I loved my work. It wasn't like I begrudged the work, but I was spent at the end of the day and riding horses is not my recreation. It's my study and it's my passion and I have goals and, and I work at it and I think about it a lot. So it's not something where I just saddle up my horse and I traipse off on a trail and just tune out. That's Mm -hmm. not riding for me, you know? So I just found that I was riding less, doing less with my horses. And one day I just went, you know, how am I going to get good? Because I'd started studying with Walter by this time. Mm -hmm. How am I going to reach my riding goals if I don't work on them every day with energy? Right. And so I switched it. I went, I'm going to do my horses first. And in the beginning, it was just, you know, two or three hours. But now, you know, it's a little longer because I've got students and I, you know, I teach and that sort of thing. But I still maintain that. And I realized very quickly that when I do something I love first, it gives me the energy to do the things I have to do. Right. Even though I love what I have to do. I had a choice with my horses and I was choosing not to because I made the other thing more important and then I didn't have the energy to do it so I just made that commitment and I just went that's what I'm going to do and it's not unchangeable if something really important comes up but make me evaluate things better and go is this more important to me than my horsemanship and the things that I do to fuel me that make me better for everybody else that's a really good that's a really good question yeah. That is this more important to me than my horsemanship? Because you could fill in 
whatever it is that is uh, of high value. Like, is this more important to me than my time with my kids? Or is this more important to me than my uh, growth in my business or whatever it is? That's really, that's really good. Exactly. And you know, people are really respectful of time. You know, if, if you are respectful of it, right. If you go, look, I'd love to do it. Um, It needs to be after two o'clock, you know, usually my answer. Yeah. You know, it needs to be after two o'clock. And if we have a real problem trying to find a time, you know, that works for both of us, well, then it becomes more important and I'll shift something, you know, so this is great. It's my day off. I'm not at home. Um, Monday's my day off anyway, so I can do any time on a Monday. Yeah. So, you know, that works. But I think, first of all, you have to have more respect for yourself and make yourself a little more important, Molly. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's really it is that's really helpful um and and what about with At least equally important what's that equally important yes yes that's, that's good important, but equally important yeah also. that's that's really good um and then what about with horses because I I know that a lot of people will struggle with being clear setting boundaries you know I guess I guess it's clarity but it's it's a boundary too um the, the non-negotiables as as you call them and and um a lot of times people will feel like oh they're not gonna they're not gonna love me I'm gonna damage the relationship I don't feel good doing that like so how do you help people with that well that's really everything I teach okay. <laughs> on three days of that you know teaching people to be better leaders and I really try to help them understand how horses think so just because you feel that way doesn't mean the horse feels that way. Horse has different values. Horse thinks differently. And I said, the worst thing you can do to your horse is not be a leader because they're going to go look for a leader. They're either going to take over and be the leader or they're going to go look for the leader. And that's what herd bound is. Right. They're not wanting to be back there. They want to leave you. Right. It's no good. And right. when you're clear and horses know when they're right, they bloom. You know, they love it. They get better. They perform better. They love you more, you know, if right. we can love as a word. But they, they are looking for good leaders. And so most of what I teach is really leadership. That's you know, great. Techniques and strategies are part of leadership. But how you come across and um, how to be a good leader for your horse, how you connect with them and how you empower them is so important because if you let them take over and then, you know, one minute they're the leader, then the next minute you're the leader doesn't work for horses. And then you've not got a happy horse. Right. Right. Really, really good. So um, I have a few questions. Um, This is the first time I've ever done this, which I thought was appropriate for the new year. So I have a Facebook group um, of folks that it it was inspired by this podcast because I'd hear from people after I'd release an episode and they'd tell me, you know, stories or, and I thought, oh, it's too bad that I'm the only one hearing these, um, these stories. So I started a group and um, it's been really fun. And uh, so I asked the group if they had questions for you and uh, a ton of questions 
um, were shared. So I pulled a few, it was really hard to choose, but I pulled a few of them. And uh, so I'm going to ask you a couple questions from okay. the group. Um, so this one is uh, from Fiona um, and she is asking, um, how do you stay on the path of taking it slow? And she's referring to what you talked about in the first uh, interview with that practice shouldn't be stressful, that it should be kind of boring. So she says, how do you stay on the path of taking it slow when other people say you should be further into your training than you are? Like, why do I care what they think? I care what my horse thinks. That's great. My timeline is not your timeline. C'est la vie. Yeah. 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 I, you know, what other people think of you is none of your business. <laughs> it, it doesn't matter. And, you know, it's a little bit like what we were just talking about with boundaries. You know, mm -hmm. you have to respect yourself. And if you're happy doing this and your horse is happy doing this, great. Right. That's good. Not race. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, that's good. That was an easy one. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So this one's uh, from Sandra and she is wondering, she has a right brain introvert and she's been following you and hot jazz. And she um, has heard you talk about how you helped him build confidence online um, at the canner. And she's wondering how you did that. Yeah, I actually um, built his confidence by riding him at the canter. Oh, okay. Because he had a lot of trouble doing things um, a little ways from me. Okay. So was almost impossible. Um, and online was difficult and you can't canter a horse on a 12 foot line when you're first teaching them, you know, it needs to be a, a line that is at least double that. Right. So for jazz, that was like a nightmare and he'd just be out there and I'd be asking him to canter. He's like, I can't do it. And so, um, I figured that teaching him with me on his back would be easier because then I can hold his hand. Okay. And so I got him more confident cantering on his back before I did it on the ground, which is, it's usually the opposite. Right. You're training horses. Right. So um, with him, it was, it was really about being able to hold his hand. And then I, I would double cluck like, like that when I mm -hmm. asked him to canter. And then I transferred that to on the ground. Ah. And I'll do the opposite. I, you know, I'll help a horse on the ground right. and I'll do the cluck so that it helps them learn to canter, you know, with a rider on them. Right. Yeah. Oh, it was that's the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you, so when you were riding him, what, what were some um, things that were helpful to help him build confidence with the canter? The first thing was to be able to trot faster. Okay. Walk faster, trot faster. Cause he couldn't, he had one, like one speed, which was slow. Mm -hmm. And um, in, in my curriculum now I teach it in module five, which is impulsion. And I teach four numbers in the gate. Yes. So a one is very slow, slow as you can possibly do it without breaking gait. Um, a two is a little faster than that. A three is probably your regular gait. So people usually ride around a two or a three. Okay. Right, depending on their horses. And then a four is the fastest you can go in that gait without changing gait. Okay. So that was the first thing that I did with him was be able to regulate his speed because he, he, he only had one speed. Mm -hmm. And so as he got more confident with that and I could trot fast without him getting scared and it's a lot of approach and retreat, you know, you, you ask him to trot faster and then slower again and faster again and slower again. You go, don't go trot fast for 10 laps, right? you know, 
might trot fast for two strides and come back. Okay. Strides and come back, you know. And so that's what I, I did. And once he could uh, produce that energy to trot fast, that's the energy of the canter. It's not necessarily the speed of the canter, but oh, it's the energy of the canter. That's great. So when he could handle that energy, then I could start to canter him because now he started to feel like he needed to canter. Right. He'd canter a few strides and then I'd bring him back. Good boy. And then I wouldn't do it again, you know, for a few days. So it's not like every day, every day, every day, because then it got really hard for him. If I repeated it, that was pressure. Right. Yeah. So I do that also um, for people who have confidence issues when they canter. I get them doing four speeds in the gate. And when they can trot fast and feel that energy and not be freaked out by it, then they're ready to canter. That is really good. That is really good. So with uh, with uh, Sandra, if she's possibly not riding her horse yet at the canter, she could most likely build these things online on the ground. Um, but when she does go to ride, I think this will be super helpful. Helpful, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I, you know, I cover that in my curriculum, and I, I also have a a mini course on my uh, membership site called Speed Control. Oh, okay. You can learn it in that as well. Okay, really cool. Um, all right. And there's one more. Um, this is from Mona. Um, she says, what is a mistake you've made that taught you a great lesson? <laughs> Only, <my> one. <laughs> Only one. Only one. All my mistakes teach me great lessons. I can't even think of one that I would go, that was it. You know, I was told I was making a mistake by moving to the, to the USA when I was leaving Australia, it's like, that's the biggest mistake of your life. Well, no, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. So uh, I have a very healthy view of mistakes because a mistake is only something you make if you know better. Ah. Right. So right. if I know better and I do something stupid, that was a mistake. Mm-hmm. But if I don't know, then it's not a mistake. It's a learning experience. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's really good. I've misjudged things. Um, and to me, uh, the, I didn't know enough to judge it properly. You know, like if I've gotten bucked off of a horse or, you know, was in a situation and I thought I, I thought I could manage it, but that was a misjudgment. Right. And I, but I still don't think of it as a mistake because I, it was a learning experience. Now I'm very attuned to what happens before something like that happens. Right. right. Yeah, so. that's really good. That's really good. I, I'm reading this book right now called The Talent Code. Uh, oh. I think it's Daniel Coyle. And he is basically fascinated by these pockets um, throughout the world in different areas. Like one is golf, one is soccer, uh, one's violin, I think. And there's these places in the world that are producing these super successful people in these areas. And he's like, what's happening there? Like, is it in the water? You know, what's going on? <laughs> So he's, I haven't, I've just, I'm just partway into the book, but basically one of the key pieces is they, um, like the soccer one there, it's in Brazil, they play in a little room and it's, um, so it's a different size uh, space and uh, the ball is heavier. It basically is that there's a higher concentration of I'm going to say learning experiences, but he calls them mistakes. They're, they're, they're making these mistakes and then they're having to adjust, make more mistakes, adjust, make more mistakes. But he talks about that those mistakes or, 
you know, I love how you're referring to them as learning experiences are the key element because the more they make, the better they get, the more they can adjust, the more they can learn. And that they're um, not seeing it as a, a setback. It's, it's, yeah. it's part of the progress. Absolutely. It's yeah. always part of the process. Um, Buckminster Fuller, who's, mm-hmm. you know, a very influential philosopher uh, was, uh, still is influential. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love one of his quotes is, uh, I've made more mistakes than anybody I know. And that's why I know so much. I love it. I yeah. love it. Because they're learning experience. So you're learning, right. learning, 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 learning. Right. And, uh, you know, I gave that very same lecture to the group here at the clinic, you know, where I talked about um, how much pressure we put on ourselves, because usually people who come to clinics or come and study with me are pretty type A personalities. So they're very driven and they're very hard on themselves because they want to be good, you know? So they put pressure on themselves in a learning environment. They put pressure on themselves in in a practicing environment. And um, most of them don't compete, but that's the only place that you should feel pressure is when you compete. Mm-hmm. learning is hard it's its own pressures don't put you put pressure on yourself to go I should be learning this better quicker whatever you know or I'm an idiot or I can't tell left from right it's like yeah that's what you feel like as a learner it's hard right. but luckily right. it's a one-time experience right. now in the practicing mode people put pressure on themselves there you know they're I need to be better than this I need to get there quicker I do and the next thing you know, the horse is sweaty, the person is sweaty, the horse is having trouble, you know, feel goes out the window, the relationship goes out the window, and it's not, you've got to just be patient. And, you know, I say boring, it's got to be a little bit boring. Mm-hmm. You don't keep pushing yourself and trying to make this much progress in one session, right. just little, little things, you know, because right. you'll be better next time. Always ride for tomorrow. It's not about today, right. ride for tomorrow, because tomorrow it'll be great. And when people go and have a lesson or go to a clinic, they're usually very nervous because they're afraid to look bad and they want to show what they can do. Right. Even if you show the instructor what you can do, they're going to go, great. Now, here's something you can't do. Let me teach you. Right. Right? It's not a performance. Right. Situation. Right. Right. That's so good. It's such a good reminder. You actually, in the last interview that we did a year ago, (laughs) just the other day, uh, you went into depth into that concept and I, I, I loved it. And, um, it's such a good reminder. So if people haven't heard that interview, they might want to go and oh, listen super. to it. Cause you, you shared quite a bit about where that came from with you and Courtney. And, uh, so right. that was, yeah, that's really good. Awesome. So, um, what's something that you're grateful for in your life right now? Oh my gosh, I'm grateful for everything. You know, gratitude is is one of my things. You know, I every every night when I go to bed, it's the first thing I do. It actually reminds me of when you when I hosted you for a clinic in 2018. Oh my uh, gosh. And you you stayed in out in the RV and I remember asking you, um, I had a bunch of different um young living oils. And I asked you if you have a favorite and it was, it was gratitude. I just, I just still is memory into my head. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm a very grateful person, very thankful. And so I, that's what I do every night when I lay in my bed, I go, Oh, I love this bed. And my little dogs are on top of me, you know, and, and I just think about all the things that day I'm grateful for. That's great. 
I'm grateful for everything. That's awesome. That's really good. Um, and then what's something that you're looking for? Even the bad things. Even the, even the bad. Yeah. Tell me, tell me a little bit about that. How, well, how are you? You know, that was very, very difficult, but I'm grateful because look at what I'm doing now. Yeah. And it made me tougher and it made me focus on what was really important to me and be able to look into the future to, you know, join with the partners that I have now and be able to do what I'm doing now. I feel free and happy and grateful. And I'm, I'm not as easily, oh, what's the word? I think I have more self-respect as a result of that. And I, you know, I always played a very supportive role and it was very hard for me to be the leader. Right. And easy for me to be in front of people and teaching and leading like that. But, mm -hmm. you know, I realized I wasn't really leading my life. Mm -hmm. And, um, and now I am. So, and, and I couldn't have done that without going through that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm grateful for it. That's I didn't really feel like it at the time, right. you know, I'm working on being grateful in some way, but now I, I really am, you know, I really yeah. see how it made me a better person. Yeah. That's really great. And I feel that from you that it's, it is truly gratitude. It's not like you're saying it out of bitterness, like, Oh, I'm so grateful for, the, you know, <laughs> you're you. And even as when you talk about the the program that you built together and, you know, moving from Australia to the U S that it was your, your second phase. Um, you have such gratitude for that chapter too. And I just, I think that's such a, that's such a wonderful thing. And it's not a forced thing. You, you put the time in, you practice it. So it is just, it's a part of who you are, just like our horsemanship, you know, we'll practice a certain skill until we don't have to think about it anymore. It's yeah. just, it's just who you are. It just yeah. becomes you. Yeah. And you no, know, I'm the sum of my experiences. You know, who you are is is what you've made. Right. You know, over the over your life. Yeah. And so if you're happy, then it's the way you've looked at your life and you've used your experience. If you're not experiences, and if you're not happy, then it's the sum of your life and how you haven't used those experiences. Right. You know, right. We all have choices that we can make and even if it's a difficult situation we can choose how we feel and how we handle it in that moment and I'm not saying I'm a saint by any means that you know that oh I can handle anything you know there are things that I mean that were very challenging for me very mm -hmm. frightening and um, scary and and uh, you know in the moment it was very difficult but I the support that I had got me through it yeah you know? Yeah. Yeah. Really. That's really great. Really cool. I love, I love the reminder that it's a choice. Yeah. You know, there's always, there's always that choice. And if we have chosen the despair and, you know, to focus on the disappointment and all those other things, this moment, there's still a choice. Even if we've put all of our time into practicing that other stuff, there's still a choice to start again and we can build a whole new skill set. And uh, so, and there's still good things in your life. Absolutely. Like that situation is not your whole life. Right. And I think that it helps to put that in perspective because yeah. in the moment it can feel like it's your whole life. 
Yeah. Oh, absolutely. At that moment, you know, when I went right brain, it's like, that's my whole life down the toilet, you know? And then I went, no, it's not. Right. (laughs) Slap, slap. Pieces of my life, you know, this part of my life. So it's, you know, it's kind of like you have to remind yourself. And and if you can't remind yourself, then hang around people who can. Yeah. Because your friends are so important. Yeah. Yeah. Really great. Really good. Uh, so what's something that you're looking forward to tomorrow? <laughs> so you're teaching another clinic there, aren't you? I am. Yes, I have. A, a, Cause the first, <laughs> it was so great. This first, uh, clinic sold out in 30 minutes. Oh, it was wow. so great. Sandy called me and she said, well, you've set a new world record. <laughs> I announced it in 30 minutes. It was full. Wow. The second one filled, I think like in three hours or something That's like that. It was awesome. Um, so, you know, the vibe that people bring to the clinics is just intoxicating they're excited they want to learn I was just writing a little recap for them today and um you know we give each other energy so I love that I'm really looking forward to that I'm looking forward to finishing my curriculum (laughs) yay only three three more modules to go three yes agility purpose and power three more to go so I've already I've already done uh, most of the videos for number eight. So I've just got a few more to do and then I've got to write that. Um, but yeah, that's, that's I'm great. That. And then, I mean, honestly, I look forward to every day. There's not one thing really that means more to me than another because I just give everything that kind of weight that it's important. Um, and I want to share with you a quote um, I was listening to a podcast and a man named Dan Millman was being interviewed and he's mm-hmm. a, he's a motivational coach and a philosopher, like a modern day philosopher, I guess you'd say. And he was a gymnast and kind of had his religious experience, you know, through that sport and an injury mm-hmm. and it made him rethink his whole life. And so he wrote a book uh, and also made a movie and it's called, um, peaceful warrior oh gosh I even just said it yesterday peaceful warrior something heart oh that'd be that'd be enough to look it up there. okay yeah the peaceful warrior by um Dan Millman and he was talking about making the film in his interview and he said um his his mentor he called Socrates and he said that he just did this gymnastic workout and he, he was really happy with how he did it. Um, and then he stuck the landing and he, and he was really proud of what he did. And as he and, and Socrates were walking back down the corridor, he said, so what did you think? And Socrates says, well, I thought it was all really good until that last move that you made. That was a disaster. And Dan's like, the last move, I stuck the landing. It's like a 10. I did it perfectly. He said, what do you mean? I stuck it perfectly. And he said, no, the moment, the, the move that you made when you took off your sweater and stuffed it in your duffel bag. <laughs> I was like, wow. And he said, you're making one moment less important than the next or oh. more important than the other. And he said, why would you go for a 10 in your gymnastics and not go for a 10 in how you took off your sweater and put it in the bag? 
Oh, wow. Isn't that awesome? It is really cool. Very, very provocative. Yes. Because I was like, I think he may have seen me pack before. <laughs> so I really think about that, you know, and and I I try to give every moment that weight. That's really cool. Don't always manage it, but most of the time I do. It's so that's really great. My my grandma, um, who was a really inspiring person to me, um, she just found joy in all the little moments. And uh, my my mom was telling me this story that uh, there was a period of time where my grandma was she was um, taking a class, and uh, someone asked the group, um, "Well, what do you what do you think about when you're making the bed?" And a bunch of people were saying, oh, you know, I think about what I'm going to do that day or I, you know, blah, blah, blah. They're talking about. And my grandma felt so like there was something wrong with her because she said, I think about making the bed. <laughs> and I thought, oh, my gosh, she would be like this guru now because she was awesome. just so present and like she'd fold the sheets with just this like joy. And it wasn't like strict or there was joy in it. And uh, so that makes me think about that sweater crumpled up in the backpack. Exactly that. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've been around people who treated people very unequally. Mm -hmm. you know, if they had money or they were rich and famous, I mean, they were famous or whatever, right. that they would, you know, treat them very special. Mm -hmm. But then if it was somebody who was, you know, a low level student or not very successful or whatever, they were treated a different way. Right. And that bothers me. You mm -hmm. know, I, like if I'm going to share a moment with somebody, let alone hours, then I'm going to make it special and worth yeah. it. I'm going to focus on that, on that moment, not be distracted and be thinking, oh, right. know, I need to be doing this, or I wish I was doing that or whatever. It's like, I'm going to make every moment count because I'll never get that back. You know, really good. Really good. Well, what an inspiring conversation. There's so many things that I have to um, to we'll add into my. What's that? You have to go have a nap. nap now. I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think so many, so many helpful pieces, and you know, I hope the people watching or listening get at least one that uh, resonates with them. I know they will. Um, so thank you so much for taking the time and uh, for joining me again. Well, thank you, Molly. And it's, you know, it's always such a pleasure. You ask me such interesting questions and you pull stuff out of me that, you know, doesn't often get shared. So really cool. That too. It's a pleasure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's a wrap on the first episode of A Learner's Journey Second Year. I know for me, listening to conversations like this, there's so many different inspiring things that sometimes I will go on about my day and I'll kind of forget all of them. So I'd like to invite you to choose one of the things that resonated with you and commit to trying it out for a week. One of the things that I've been trying out is finding joy in the mundane things. So not just crumpling up my sweater and throwing it into the bag to really be setting intention and finding happiness and joy in those little things. And it's been really powerful.
Another thing I'd like to invite you to is our private Facebook group if you aren't already a part of it. It's called A Learner's Journey. There's a link in the details below or you can search for it on Facebook. And it's a wonderful place to share reflections on these podcast episodes and also just about your horsemanship journey. And it's a safe and supportive place to be. We'd love to have you. Thank you again for being a part of this. Here's to one year and many more. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.